confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Um, And one of the things we want to keep uh, our eye on for you in in the aftermath of Dobbs, is the ongoing uh, decisions around life and what's going on uh, to protect unborn uh, uh, persons. Because, as we've said, the battle went from one big federal uh, battle to now 50 statewide, and there are a variety of different outcomes being produced all the time. And recently, two Supreme Court decisions um, have benefited pro-lifers, and here to discuss is Thomas Jipping, Senior Legal Fellow at the Edwin Meese Center for the Legal and Judicial Studies, part of the Heritage Foundation. Uh, Thomas, thank you for being back with us. Um, what did these two Supreme Court decisions decide? Well, what the, the one that's probably the most important um, is from the South Carolina Supreme Court. As you mentioned, um, despite what a lot of people might think, overturning Roe versus Wade did not make abortion illegal. It allowed states to make abortion illegal. And so the, the legislative effort shifts to the states and also the legal attacks on protections for the unborn shift to state courts. So now it's 50 different state constitutions and whether those constitutions protect abortion. Uh, South Carolina Supreme Court, even though their state constitution doesn't say anything about abortion, uh, said that it does protect the right to abortion, and they struck down a pro-life law that the state legislature had passed. Um, That decision is on pretty shaky ground. Uh, South Carolina is one of the few states where there's only five members on their Supreme Court. It was a three-to-two decision, but there was not a majority opinion as to why they answered the question the way they did. Three justices said the law was unconstitutional, but they had three different theories about why. And that means that, you know, one more case, perhaps one change in who sits on the Supreme Court, uh, and that result uh, could be reversed. The Iowa Supreme Court, for example, just in the last few years, uh, first ruled that the state constitution protects abortion, and then a few later years later uh, reversed that mistake. So, um This is going to happen in state courts all over the country. Uh, State Supreme Courts are going to be ruling on this uh, over the next, you know, number of years, really. And there's about 30 states or so where they're really this question hasn't been answered. So there's going to be a lot of legal activity going on. How winnable is the fight for life going forward? The fact is uh, the American people elect the state legislators who pass pro-life laws. Uh, the, the voters elect in most states their state Supreme Court that interprets those laws. Uh, the voters elect the state attorney general who's supposed to defend those laws. Uh, and uh, in, in about half the states, the people have the opportunity to actually propose constitutional amendments, putting them on the ballot uh, to vote on, uh, which uh, then can protect the unborn. So there are multiple more opportunities uh, to to take steps to protect the unborn now uh, than before the Supreme Court uh, overruled Roe versus Wade. What concerns me is that even in the recent elections where I thought some of these, you know, 
more determinative pro-life planks were trying to be passed into law, that the lobby really had their uh, act together and, and defeated them, in, in, in some of them in, in really red states. It does strike me as it is a tough uh, lift for us uh, from here on. It's not going to be, in some ways, Roe v. Wade might have been the easiest part of the battle to, uh, to win. Uh, look, we have a system of government in which the people you know, hold the power, which means judges aren't supposed to run the country. Unelected bureaucrats aren't supposed to run the country. The people are, and that takes a lot of work. It takes informed, involved citizens. You know, true, for 50 years after Roe versus Wade, there wasn't necessarily a lot that pro-lifers could do. Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, the, the number of pro-life state laws that got enacted increased year after year, even under Roe versus Wade, even when those laws probably couldn't be enforced. And if those state legislators hadn't done that, there wouldn't have been more cases coming to the Supreme Court about abortion. There wouldn't have been opportunities for you know, the country to see just how uh, faulty and poorly reasoned Roe versus Wade was. And it probably wouldn't have been overruled. So, you know, even under tough conditions, even when it, it you know, the obstacles seem to be pretty significant, many, many things can be done. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we're only just getting started to try to pursue some of these things that have been, uh, you know, under blockade for 50 years. Yeah, no, that's well said. Thomas Jipping, a senior legal fellow at the Edwin Meese Center uh, at the Heritage Foundation. Thank you for being with us today. Happy Friday. Uh, come back anytime. I'm glad to. Thank you. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back.